Hello and welcome to Business Blues and Booze. Today is February 10th. This is Jordan. And this is Lewis. Full disclosure, our producer Wyatt just showed us some videos of Shia LaBeouf going to just do it. And we just got really jazzed up for this podcast as we hope all of you are jazzed up to listen to it. Can't wait. <laughs> so first up, you know, with streaming guys, we got to talk about it. Yeah. We're going to be talking about Sling streaming TV. Guys. Yeah, so real quick, everyone, this is for your benefit. So February 11th is the last day. That's either today or tomorrow, depending on when this goes out. Sling TV is only 5 bucks for the first month. Of 5 bucks. That's like one cup of coffee from yeah. Starbucks if you don't get any like and special you get things on top. One of the skinny bundles of Sling, which is the orange and blue, which has your essentials like your Turner channels, TBS, TNT, whatever uh you got your cnn's you got your cartoon network adult swim for your rick and morty fans you can have that live uh and either one will have espn one two and three or fox sports and nbc sports so those are all pretty good deals and for five bucks good sports yeah good sports stuff uh normally each of those would be 30 or the combined would be 45 but you can get right now one for five or both for 20 for the first month very nice deal slings a big dealer and i think it's a really good deal so you should go for it. That sounds a lot like Donald Trump. I think it's a really good deal. <laughs> it's one of the best deals I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> so next up, talking about Trump, we actually have a topic about Wow, Trump. I didn't even plan that. Look at that. <laughs> so Donald Trump is actually putting in something right now. He is trying to end student loan forgiveness. This is a program that he's trying to put in for the 2021 budget. And um, student loan spending would be a cut would be cut by 170 billion dollars in his plan, which is titled "A Budget for America's Future." That is just what is that name, dude? I yeah. mean, look, I don't want to get political, and this is my opinion, but like, why would you cut student loan forgiveness to put in money for other things? I mean, something that he would also be doing is so the way that student student debt works is that if you take a loan from the government that you don't see interest until I think it's six months after you graduate, that's when you have to start paying back your student debt and that's when you actually get interest that's accumulating. That's only from the government, not from private loans. He is trying to also end that so that way you would be building interest while you're in college. That is that is inhumane in my mind for students. I mean, these, these, a lot of these people who are taking out student loans can't afford it to begin with. Some of them come out with careers where, I mean, most people don't make much money their first year out of school. I think the average coming out of college for most majors is around $40,000 $40, is on the pretty much average high end. So I don't know how people are going to be able to afford that. Yeah. And the weird thing about this, too, is I don't really know who this is for. Because 80% of Americans, according to this study, uh, are on the side of, Giving students forgiveness while they're still in college, specifically for this type of loan. Not all loans. Not, not everyone supports government assistance for all loans, but for specifically for student loans, it's around 80% approval. Which So it doesn't make any sense to me. It, the only real thing is this is kind of the opposite plan of Bernie and Elizabeth, where they're trying to cancel student debt. It, this is honestly just making student debt worse. This is like Coke and Pepsi of politics. Like yeah. it, No, it's the same topic. But one's not right. <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! What a what a comparison. Yeah. Um, but it, it just it's weird, and I don't know. I, I mean, it's not out of character for him to make an announcement like this. But it, it just seems like it's a weird time. It's election season, and 
Yeah. I mean, if we're looking at what Bernie is trying to do, Bernie Sanders is trying to wipe out. He's trying not the opposite. He's trying to get rid of one point six trillion dollars. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, the, it's the opposite plan. Yes, essentially, it is completely opposite. He's trying to basically add on interest and basically be like, if you have loans, that's your problem. Bernie is saying, you have loans, we're going to forgive you for that. Yeah. So he's trying to wipe out one point six trillion dollars. Would he gain votes from this? He must front. I mean, people. Some people I just still, don't. I still but like these. Both of these polls. Things. Both of these polls are more than half. Like sixty percent or higher in favor of 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 keeping student loan forgiveness of some kind. I mean, something so, that we also have to keep in mind is that some of these polls they might not be taken by the mass majority. A lot of things that you learn in, in some research classes is that the people who actually would say yes to these things are people who feel very strongly on yeah. either end of the study. And this is an article from CNBC, so it could just be that the people who were looking into this and who actually answered the, um, the survey or the, um, the study might have actually just been more in favor of getting rid of or of opposing Trump as opposed to uh, supporting yeah. him. So we see that obviously Democrats are more likely to support um, student loan forgiveness, and we see... Uh, not mm. in all Republicans, but I guess some more conservative Republicans do not want to see their tax money go to um, student loan forgiveness. So I, I, that can be my only take, and that's my personal opinion, that that is why this actually might be working out for him in terms of his uh, approval. Yeah. Another thing, too, is the income divide of Americans. So based on this, this is actually from The Hill. I, I clicked again. So now we have the actual poll and it's from The Hill. And this is talking about people who are in favor of making higher education tuition free and eliminating debt. And 67% of people that responded who made less than $75,000 a year support this. Two thirds compared to just 51 who make 75 or more. So people below 75 Two-thirds majority support it. People make more, 50-50. And it's one of those walking-in-the-shoes things. That's another thing, too, is our country's division of income, the upper middle class and above, has gotten richer. Everyone else has kind of stayed the same, gotten a little higher because of inflation, pretty much in line with inflation. But the people making the most money relative to everyone else are the upper middle class right now, which is your $100,000 to $250,000 range. So it's, it's, it's a divide there, and I think that could be the kind of thing that he would capitalize on is that and kind of people not all understanding, being on the same page. Um, but it's interesting. These two ideas together, income and the debt people owe. I think it's also very interesting in terms of the timing, and I think that he is absolutely taking a jab at Bernie, at Warren, at some of these people who are on the Democratic side who are gaining a lot of traction and something that we're seeing, and something that I don't understand why he would do it right now, because a lot of the voters who are going to be going out into the world are either ex or, um, graduated college students um, or people who are in college, obviously if over 18. But it's really interesting because I can't imagine many college students would say, yeah, we should totally build interest while we're in school. Like, I want to pay back more money than I would have. Like, that sounds like a great <laughs> idea, honestly. Yeah. Like, who who would in the, who in the right mind be in college? I don't care what side you're on. Why would you be in favor of that unless, like, your family has a quadrillion, bazillion dollars and yeah. you're just like, I, I burn it for fun. It's obviously for the lenders. But the weird thing is... But still, it is us who are going to be voting on him. And in terms of... His election is coming up extremely soon. And if he has... He has had the most controver- controversial presidency... Of any president. I mean, I think that would be... Probably in our, yeah, in our lifetime, at least. I mean, 
Obviously, there's been Clinton's had had his scandal, and that was. I would argue that this is much more controversial, especially for the stuff that came out after, where a lot of the Republicans actually were were so scared of testifying against him. And there's been so much, so much information about it, especially saying that Trump is firing people who um, who had testified against him, which is actually illegal. I don't think many people realize that. That if you testify, you cannot be fired for that. You cannot be. That is your legal right. You have a right. And actually, uh, Donald Trump Jr. was seen tweeting saying, thank you. Um, I forget the man's name. He said, thank you for pointing out all the people who testified. Now now my dad knows who to fire. That was sent from the president's son, which is just – that is unpatriotic. That is un-American and that is illegal. Now, if all this is true and all this is actually as what happens, there is way more at hand than in terms of what we were actually the, – the proposals that we were actually putting in for him. I think that what is happening is just a joke in terms of the system. And again, this is my personal opinion. You might agree and you might disagree, but I think it, whatever whatever stance you side on, this is just an interesting article to look at. And I think that this is an interesting time, and I just hate to see America be so divided on this. But we are seeing polar opposites in terms of, as Lewis said, and as I've said before, not to beat a dead horse, but we are seeing such a, a divide between the candidates, between the Democrats and the Republicans, that they are so polar opposites now more than before, more than any other time before. And it is so controversial. Well, it's, it's mostly been in the House and Senate. Actually, I, I read this, um, this paper from the 90s. It was a, an article specifically about politics, specifically about the House and the Senate. And the fact is that the bicameral system, which is our two-home system, in Congress, which is the House, which has a represent- proportionally representative people per state, versus the Senate, which has two representatives for every state. And the fact that they couldn't agree on legislation was actually more of the deadlock issue than the President and the, and the, and the Senate and the House, which is interesting. That you, you commonly blame, oh, you know, they can't, they just won't pass anything. But they both pass different things. They would pass different things, they have different proposals, but then they don't agree. There's no assimilation between the House and the Senate. So that's that is probably the biggest deadlock reason. This is a twenty year old article. A lot of the trends are still relevant today. I mean it was written during the Clinton administration and we already kind of touched upon that recently, that that was also contentious near the end of his term. So interesting and tying all this together is that our actual system itself might be the reason why we're so divided, which is kinda of crazy. And so something that uh we actually kind of found just to tie this all together that while he was, was saying he wants to um, cut student loan forgiveness out of the budget. He actually had a Super Bowl party. And you can look this up. We're not going to give many more opinions. This is as factual as we will get, that Trump's Super Bowl party cost taxpayers around $3.4 million U.S. million. Now, I'm not going to touch any more on that because it depends on who you're looking mm-hmm. at and what sources. But because he's going to get upset. Pro- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <gonna> get- <laughs> but definitely, if – if there's something that we urge you to do, you don't have to listen to us, but we urge you to do your research. This is something that I have actually been the most happy about is that I think politics people have been starting to do more research in terms of who they're going to vote for, in terms of what policies are actually going to be passed. And that's something I am grateful for. But something with this is just look that up. While he is saying he wants to cut money, he wants to make sure taxpayers' dollars are going to things that he wants in his budget in terms of his uh, presidency. Meanwhile, he is having a $3.4 million U.S. dollar. Super Bowl party. And this is not the first time that something like this has come up, but just something to keep in mind. So obviously moving off of the political segment. Mm -hmm. Now time for a sponsorship from Anchor. 
And anchor also, time. An- definitely anchor time. And anchor also, time. Uh, if you guys go on Instagram, follow our Instagram, business underscore blues underscore booze. Thank you. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening, guys. So to start this next segment, Jordan is going to talk about one of his two favorite things. It's either Disney or Tesla. Guess which one it is? It's Tesla. <laughs> it is Tesla. So we'll be talking about a little bit about Tesla stock. So Tesla stock has been in the news probably everywhere. Even if you don't care, you've seen it. So Tesla stock has had an extremely volatile week and even a month. It has jumped today around $820. So it rose about 9%, dropped about 4%, and it went back and forth between the two. The stock this year and even just this past month, it has doubled over 132% of growth. The stock has had a high of $969. Nice. (laughs) So why has Tesla's stock been so high, you might ask? That's a great question. Well, it opened up a multi-billion dollar Chinese factory. It's called the Gigafactory 3. This is in Shanghai. What they will producing is battery cells as well as Model 3s and Model Ys, which is their more discount version of their Tesla cars. So this factory was planned and made within a year, which is honestly, for Elon Musk, that is probably the fastest turnaround that he's ever done mm-hmm. in terms of what he said and what actually is done. Although he probably promised like a month. Yeah. So he's like, I'll do it one day. Yeah. No, but yeah. they are profitable now, though. Good for them. They did it. They really, I don't know, people for a while were saying, are they ever going to be able to turn this around? It's so hard to produce cars with an order like that, but they're really doing it. And that's kind of crazy. They're doing it. <laughs> they're doing it. But no, I actually am happy uh, for him and for the company because I kind of want a Tesla when I'm older. So. Who doesn't want a Tesla? Yeah. I mean, honestly, everybody's thought of it, even if you don't get it. But if you don't want a Tesla, there's been a lot more electric cars. What? I know. Who would have thought? <laughs> so if you watched the Super Bowl, you saw probably, I think, two was the only ones I can remember. It was Porsche and Hummer. Oh, I don't remember at all. But Well, there's... <laughs> I know for a fact there were at least those two. So one of those I want to talk about is the Porsche. The Porsche Emission actually is is one of their flagship cars right now. So this is pushing 0 to 60 in 3.5 seconds, mile, 0 to 60 miles per hour, in case that wasn't clear, and 124 miles per hour in 12 seconds. Whoa. That is very fast for a car. It is yeah. still sitting around Model 3, Model S range, although, I mean, depending on what, what um, model of the Tesla you get, it's very competitive. The Tesla might be faster by a few milliseconds, but... Something that is really impressive about this Porsche is it's pushing out 600 horsepower. That is crazy. And so if we're looking at like the Model S, which is the top of the line sedan, that is pushing out 325 horsepower for just the base model. And for the P100D, which is the highest model and also has the highest battery, that is pushing out 588 horsepower. So, it, you know, it's it's very close to the 600, mm-hmm. but it's not quite as much. And that's something I was really interested in. Yeah. And honestly, if you can sense the difference between 600 horsepower and 588, I would say to contact us because you have stronger senses than a dog, man. That's like kind of crazy. So that's, that's true. Really good for you if you can tell the difference. You should probably go on like Guinness Book World Records for that. But <laughs> I don't know, but still, that is impressive. That Porsche has come out, had a car that was slower but had higher horsepower than a Tesla, who's been around. I mean, this is all they do. And Porsche is pretty pretty new to the segment, and they're testing out a lot of their cars right now. They're releasing it out throughout Germany. Um, which I think I'm, I'm pretty happy that that's coming. BMW has a full fleet. Mercedes has a full fleet coming in. Mercedes has taken a lot of a lot of backlash from Europe for not from Europe for not doing it fast enough though. 
But so something else that the Porsche is trying to fix is the turbocharging, which is what or charging they're adding in turbocharging to their things, which is very similar to Tesla superchargers. It's similar to Mario Kart too. Very very similar, <laughs> similar to Mario Kart. Honestly, everything is Mario Kart if you think about it. But so the turbocharger is going to let the Porsche charge in just 15 minutes. It will give you 250 miles. That is really good mm. that takes that takes away a lot of that that uh discussion where i don't know if i want to let your car i can't drive that far yeah you know so 250 exactly. miles that's wow. that's very very far that is very cool so that 15 minutes i mean we're seeing that phones are doing this we're seeing that now cars are trying to do this that you can even if you can't charge the full time you know phones you say about an hour will get you 100 percent. even if you can't do it they'll add supercharger so the first little bit they give you a bunch of energy right away so what is in all of these electric cars and your phones and even some of your appliances in your house is something called a lithium-ion battery. Lithium-ion batteries are in everything. They are the biggest um, section of the battery market. This is something that Tesla is pushing in their battery section of their company as long as any, every other thing, which I've talked about a lot and I won't cover right now. Um, you should definitely listen to past ones that have Tesla in the name if you want to know some more if you're as passionate as I am. But so Tesla is trying to push out this lithium ion. Other companies are pushing out lithium. Um, and so lithium, actually the prices of them have doubled, even though it is technically the most eco-friendly and economical in terms of the price to actual output ratio, it is one of the best things out there. But there are other things, do not be fooled. So there has been some research in terms of cobalt. Cobalt has been hard because of the lifespan of cobalt and something that I wanna to touch on is fluoride. So fluoride has actually the potential to last eight times longer than a lithium battery. Now the problem with lithium is that it's not very stable and it's very hard to make stable as well as not be reactive. So that is the bad news. Now the good news, you know, good cop, bad cop, the good, the good news <laughs> is that a lot of research has been done to make fluoride more stable at room temperature, which is obviously, I mean, what they have to gauge everything at because that's what is what most things will be at. But I mean, think about it. Your phone is out in the cold. If it's, unless you're in Antarctica where it's 65 degrees, I mean, if you're out in most places, it's very cold and your phone, even iPhones or, or Androids, the battery life is affected by that cold temperature. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to make fluoride as stable as it can be, just in early testing to see if there is a potential for it to be basically researched further or if it's not worth it anymore. Mm -hmm. And we could see that fluoride is made into um, more everyday use batteries. I actually have a question. This is not really related. That was very interesting, by the way. So it was a good pick for you. Um, what is fluoride the same that's in toothpaste? So it <laughs> it is the chemical. The same chemical. It, it yes, it, it it is, and it's something that is. Um, it, it depends. I mean, obviously, if it's in toothpaste, you probably would not like to hear that it's reactive. But fluoride is also when it's combined with other things can make it more stable. Um, so that is probably what's yeah. inside of because like burned in my brain forever is going to be the original training toothpaste for what was that the was that was that Winnie the Pooh there was like some cartoon character is like original training toothpaste <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that for like twenty Nostalgia. from like fifteen years ago it was every single day I heard that commercial and I never had original I had I had real people toothpaste like Colgate. Um, yeah, Colgate. <laughs> yeah. Go Colgate. But, actually, yeah. Colgate, real quick. Colgate actually oh. just did uh, recycled toothpaste tubes, which, just a quick side note, which was really cool of the company, the first toothpaste company to go public and talk about that oh. they have a great initiative like that. Toothpaste uh, tubes are actually one of the most littered objects in the world, along with cigarette buds. Just a little side note. So, yes, um, fluoride is in a lot of things. And something else that actually is really interesting, mm -hmm. too, um, is ammonia. 
So ammonia is actually, I mean, it's in a lot of things, as you probably know, it's a cleaner, um, and it's also in a lot of um, cleaner materials if you don't have just straight up ammonia. So ammonia has a potential to actually go into larger fuel sources like um, maybe, maybe farming equipment, stuff for your houses, buildings, stuff that, run, that runs on coal. They can actually use um, this form of ammonia to actually power them. So the way that this works is that um, when, when ammonia is turned into a fuel and when you even use ammonia for cleaner, it has really bad emissions and it has greenhouse gases. This is stuff that are not good and they're doing a lot of research right now to see if they can actually re-harness those greenhouse gases to put them into a different use so that they're not just catching it and basically finding another form of it, that they're actually catching it and finding a use for it so that it can actually be, quote-unquote, like, upcycled, essentially. So... If ammonia is actually can be purposed into hydrogen, so hydrogen can be used into a lot of things. There's been testing for hydrogen cars, and so, but the real, the real way that ammonia can be used is also because ammonia. We have a lot of ammonia, so ammonia can be used in larger factories, some of these larger facilities. So not only for cars, because personally, I don't think that will ever be a reality that we will see ammonia. I think fluoride has more of a potential, but obviously they need to fix the reaction. Are the reactiveness and the temperature problem, um, but I think ammonia has more of a potential to actually help facilities that are running on coal. Um, if they want to go to electric electric panels, as well, or I'm sorry, solar panels, that would be a really big step for them as well. But more homes and more um, factories and other manufacturers are actually adding in electric fuel cells into their into their um, into their facilities, which is what the solar panel is charging essentially. That is what is like a charger. Imagine like you, you're plugging your phone into or the um, your phone charger into the outlet. That's as if like the sun to the uh, solar panels. Then that goes in and charges the battery within your house. So obviously, this is something I'm very passionate about. I hope you guys are too. Mm-hmm. And you know, we hope you guys can listen to uh, maybe some more stories about it in the future. But just a little update on kind of where the battery market, you know, electric vehicles. I really hope that you know more of you are kind of considering buying. Um, you know, hybrids or electric cars in the future. And I think a lot of car makers are pushing for that too. I mean, Hummer, Hummer is pushing an electric, electric Hummer, which is <laughs> literally, it was dubbed oxymoron. Our, yeah. It just <laughs> sounds ridiculous. But the, the Hummer was actually voted, I think in 2005 or six, I'm sorry, I don't remember the exact day, but it was voted actually the worst car in terms of the environment. It was the worst gas guzzler out there. And now it's electric. That's oh. just, you know, it's the, it's the progress, world we're living man. in. Hey, so now for the next story, you know. Yeah, final thoughts. I would say I would trust uh, fluoride more because I think I would prefer that in my toothpaste than ammonia. But that's just me. Yeah, yeah, you know, so. definitely in toothpaste. Maybe lithium ion in my toothpaste too. <laughs> yeah, a little That'd be bit. Cool. Maybe charge me up, give me some energy. That'd be cool. Energizer bunny. It's probably what energizer uh, energizer bunny uses. That's true. For his toothpaste. toothpaste. Yes, you heard it here first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have him on next week. Don't worry. Fluoride gate. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So next story uh, is the. Ban swastikas on Amazon. This is a New York Times article. You sound surprised. Uh, that should be a given. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> David Streetfeld. Wanted to give him a little shout out. Uh, so the woo. essential... Yeah, woo <laughs> So not a great topic, though. So the essential part of this article is talking about how recently a lot of books written by white supremacists and fascist Nazis from a long time ago. So this is your David Duke... Uh, former Grand Wizard of the Klan, George Lincoln Rockwell, the founder of the American Nazi Party, their works have been banned from Amazon. And on the surface, with all book bannings, you think, well, there's probably a reason that these books were banned. And that's because they're written by people with hateful hate in their heart and hateful words. But the problem here is a business problem, of course, because this is business blues and booze. We want to tie this back into what Amazon is. Amazon 
is a monopoly. They have a monopoly on books, two-thirds of the market share. So what happens here is they essentially get the say in what books are bought and sold. And okay, I don't want to read about white supremacists, or like I don't want to read what they think. I would read about them, their history. But not, ooh, I want to hear their opinions. You know what I mean? That's a different thing. So, okay, that makes sense to me. But what about if Amazon decides one day an article criticizing them or book criticizing their practices uh, is now under this, this is an opinion we don't want to have on Amazon anymore. Who's going to sell it? The other third of the market that still exists there, but Amazon has the best delivery, the best subscription delivery, and they have Amazon Web Services that everyone now uses. AWS is actually the majority of how Amazon makes money. We've covered that before, mm-hmm. but just to reiterate, that is actually the most profitable yeah. form of Amazon is their web services. It's Cash used out. in um, XFL. It's used in MLB and other sports. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's in almost every sport now. Mm-hmm. It's a major data, analyti- data analytics tool. Mm-hmm. Just so, a little sidebar. So we're putting, our, we're putting our book hat on today, not, yeah. our, not our data services hat on I just wanted to today. make a No, no, no. Point. No, it's true. That is how they make the money. But again, this is the same company. You might have different business sectors in the company, but at the end of the day, whatever the whole corporate strategy is, all parts of it, that's all one company. And this is the same company that's banning books for the purposes of hate speech under violating the privacy policy. Now, the, the interesting thing here specifically is that Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon in 98 when it came out, originally intended for all books, regardless of their origins, to be on this site. It didn't matter what the content was. He wanted everything to be available. So, and just a little quick side note. So Amazon was formed in July of 1995, and it was actually funded with $250,000 from Jeff Bezos' parents. And um, the main purpose of it was actually to be an online bookstore. So full circle, we're still seeing it being relevant. But just to give some history to it, that their goal was to be an online seller for books. And now we're seeing that this is coming up as a very controversial topic. Yes. Very interesting. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So the actual quote here, I wanted to give it to you from the article, is in 98, when they were a startup, this is exactly what Jeff Bezos said. We want to make every book available, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Customer reviews, he said, would let truth loose. So he was going to let the customers decide which books not only were good, but had the content that people would actually want to read. That's complete 180 from where they are now, where they're deciding what books should or should not be written, essentially. Or not written. Read, essentially. Uh, They actually, the funny thing about this is they have to kind of do little uh, changes with their own properties. So, a book by Philip K. Dick from 1962, Man in the High Castle, one of my favorite books, actually, I've ever read. It's a science fiction, alternate history, dystopian thriller. That's a mouthful. And it's about an alternate history where the Germans and the Japanese won World War II, and it takes place in the 60s, 15 years after the war ends in the book. So it's very interesting. It's a cool kind of concept idea. And there's a TV show on Amazon Prime Video, four seasons of it that just ended. It's a fantastic show. And it has swastikas everywhere. It's a Nazi show. Full, like, disclosure, <laughs> full disclosure, haven't seen it, heard great stuff, definitely going to watch it at some point. But I don't know anymore. Yeah. You know? This, yeah, this is definitely this is my out of my brain right now. <laughs> it's from watching from watching the show for four years. It was a fun time. Uh, it had some tough moments, but it was an emotional show, and it was really about America today. Even though it was about that's kind of how all these shows are. You know, they're actually really commentaries about how the world is now. But getting to the point, in a book adaptation of the show, they took out 
all the swastikas and replaced them with nothing. So on their patches on their arms, it's just a blue circle instead. In New York City, uh, there is where Times Square is and that big billboard in the middle. There would be a, a Nazi flag there. In the book, it's just red. It's like they didn't even do anything else. They just took it out. So it looks really stupid. So that was kind of funny. But that's the problem here is this is their show that they made, and they're not even showing like they're not they're not consistent. It's kind of crazy that this policy on their web store, on their bookstore, online is overruling with this rule that they have now that they're enforcing more, and they're going to be able to control this now. And something that we're seeing a lot in a lot of companies is that they're kind of hitting a lot of press and a lot of things that they have to go back on and they're actually having to change some of their values and some of the things that they had i'm not i am in no way saying that they should be promoting swastikas just want to make that very clear that's not the point here but it's very interesting that this is again this is all things that are coming up so much in our culture and so many things that are coming up in in businesses and stuff that they have to adapt to it's it uh, having a pr job right now in business has to be one of the most stressful jobs out of any job right Mm -hmm. now it, you are constantly being like, oh, my God, what's going to happen next? I don't know how they sleep. Yeah. It must be like having like lithium-ion toothpaste or something. <laughs> yeah, the exact same. But the funny thing here, which this is the weirdest thing to me, is that you can still get Mein Kampf, like any edition available is still on there. That's Hitler's biography, uh, autobiography. And Joseph Goebbels, ah, I forget, that's not how you say his last name, but that's how, you, that's how it looks. Uh, it's <laughs> na- nature in form of national socialism. So that's obviously about the Nazi Party, which is the, the Socialist Party of Germany. So those are two of the leaders of Nazi Germany, and their books are still available to be bought on Amazon. So there's not really consistency here either. It's actually kind of blaming these later people that adapted the the Reich's mentality instead of the guys that actually wrote this in the first place, which is kind of weird. The whole thing's bizarre. But the point here is it's a slippery slope when you start banning books for content because when you have a monopoly and you can decide what gets banned or not, you're running the market and people are going to want to pay you for that stuff. And that's also something that's really interesting because if, if, um, if you do follow any history, you actually learn that in Germany um, they had burned a lot of books and they had burned a lot of education. And um, I just find that really interesting that they're kind of doing the same thing. They're banning books. They're banning what can mm-hmm. be read. And I, I'm not in any way – comparing the two and saying that they're the same i'm just saying it's an interesting connection Mm -hmm. that they're actually the thing that they're banning is the thing that they did that the nazis did and yeah yeah but also if if we i'm in no way saying that we should be promoting it but there is a lot of history at that time Mm -hmm. and within the nazi party and especially with like younger generations i'm not saying that they should want to read it but i'm saying that is something that everybody should be educated on they should be. We can't learn, and we can't make sure that this doesn't happen again if we do not learn from it. So, if they are going to be banning this, obviously, I don't want like some random guy being like, "Yeah, Nazis are awesome," and, and reading their books and like getting yeah. inspired. But I think in the purpose of education, and obviously, Amazon doesn't have the ability to say, you know, what is your intention with reading this book? Mm-hmm. Which I mean, we'll we don't need background see. checks for books. Oh, yeah, man. that'd what be a, crazy. But a whole other thing but, there. But if they're going to start banning a very important part of history, yeah. how? I don't know if that's exactly mm-hmm. right. And again, you can get other places like Abe. Abe's probably Abe Books is is the website. I just looked it up right now. Have not actually searched anything yet, but it looks presentable enough. Uh, they still have all these books on them, so maybe they're going to get a boom from the people that will read this content. So that's interesting. But one thing that I think is important here is if you're going to be a marketplace that wants to buy and sell from everyone, then you can't be selective about it. You can be one or the other. 
but you can't do both. And that's the concern here with this article. And it's something that Bezos is going against on his own values. So just a lot of inconsistency, as Lewis said, and something that we're kind of disappointed, dis- disappointed to see within a company. But obviously we understand. Again, just to reiterate, just to make drive this point home, we are in no way condoning or promoting yeah. swastikas or any Nazi mentalities. This is purely for the purpose of knowledge. This is not for the purpose of opinion. Man in the High Castle is a really good show, by the way. You should watch that. It's great. It's great about history. It's great sci-fi, and it's just really entertaining. The book's also very good. So go check that out if you have some time. Now we're going to be moving into a different segment, our blue segment of the podcast. So first up, Lewis has a recommendation for you guys. I absolutely do. So today... We're going to call it Stormy Monday, because that's what day it is. <laughs> and it was, in fact, a Stormy Monday here in Delaware, Ohio. So this is written by electric guitar pioneer T-Bone Walker in the 40s. And to me, it's just a soul for song. You know, it's that classic blues thing that you hear. You have that little blues intro, sings about the blues. It's blues outside. It's Monday. I'm upset. That's what the song's all about. There's also a fantastic cover by Albert King and Steve Ray Vaughan on an in-session recording in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Also, great to check out. That's like a 10-minute rendition, but it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. Both fantastic guitarists. Obviously, T-Bone's great for writing it. He has a couple other really good songs. Not off the top of my head right now, but great guitarist. Great chord pro- progression used in so many modern songs, adapted, and obviously the rendition by Albert King and Stevie Ray is fantastic. So that would probably be my recommendation for this week. Go check it out. I'm sure it's on everything, streaming everywhere. Jordan, do you have anything for us? In fact, I do. (laughs) So my blues recommendation is by Buddy Guy, and it's a song called Mustang Sally. So Mustang Sally was actually written by a guy named Mac Rice. Um, But I want to cover a little bit about Buddy Guy. Buddy Guy was actually in the Rolling Stones' 100 Greatest Guitarists of All Time. If you ever get a chance to hear this, it is just... All blues, all great, soul. It's just, you got to listen to it. I, I won't even do it any justice. So his actual name is George Guy. He was born in 1936. He's 83 years old. He was born in Louisiana. Um, and so he kind of goes all around in like electric blues, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So his song, Stone Crazy, was wrong, was ranked, excuse me, wrong. Was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> was ranked 78th of all time for the Rolling Stones lift for the Rolling Stones list, I can't talk today. It's um, right. List of hundred. It's Stormy Monday. It's Stormy <laughs> Monday. For the list of a hundred greatest guitar songs of all time, that is something to just—that's unreal. I mean, Clapton even said that he was the best. That um, Buddy Guy was the best guitarist player. He's the best guitar player alive. God, I'm wow. can't talk. Good segment. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm butchering it. But if you get a chance, you definitely you got to listen to the song. It's just got mm-hmm. so much ma- so much root and so much just soul in it. You can hear everything about it. But again, it was not written by him. It was written by Mac Rice. Props to Mac Rice. Yeah, Mac Rice. Good job, buddy guy. Great version. Mm-hmm. It's just you know sometimes the the new versions are better than the originals. Yeah. You know we're seeing that quite a lot. Absolutely. You know what I found from this segment that we started doing for blues is that it's really hard to describe a song. And why you like it. Because we're not going to come out here and start humming it. Because that yeah. would just sound I did horrible. do that the first day. You did? I, think I did. That was... He did all right. <laughs> yeah. Five out of ten. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it's it's hard to say why you're passionate about something. But I think you can convey from the way we talk about it and how we're describing it and our recommendations that we really hope that you do actually enjoy this as much as we do. 
And if you don't like the blues, it's okay. At least you can respect that this gave mm-hmm. way to a lot of the music that you probably do like. Yeah. You know, if you like music at all, you you like where it came from. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah. So, no, I like it. I think it, that's something to think about. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good philosophical argument. Yeah. So now it's time for our booze recommendation of the week. Jordan, I think it's you again. It, it is me. You're lucky. <laughs> yeah. so, so actually, I'm going to be giving one that's a little close to home. It is one of my dad's favorite drinks. So, Joe, if you're listening, woo, props to you. He made me, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, he showed me this drink um, on my 21st birthday. It was called Angry Balls. So it's Angry Orchard and um, Fireball. So you basically take it like a kamikaze shot. Oh, my God. So you pour the Angry Orchard into what? I'm sorry. I just I just realized what it was, and that's actually I had that for one of our for a for a full one time. I actually had Angry Orchard and Fireball, and I didn't realize that really? that had a name. I but I used I used the Angry Orchard as a chaser, as I was oh that was yeah. a ham night. Don't do that. Yeah, don't 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 do that. I'm not recommending it. This probably is better and tastes better, but I just realized I like made the connection right now. Oh my god, I've had this. I didn't even know that. It's a very <laughs> very tasty drink. Um, I, Lewis, I don't know if his his rendition of rendition of it can actually uh, say for it, but it was all right. It was all right. <laughs> but Angry Balls, it's something that I absolutely loved. If you like a cider taste with like a little hint of cinnamon, it's really tasty. Um, I mean, it's apple cinnamon. That's yeah, delicious. It really is delicious. I don't recommend having more than one. It is pretty strong taste. Obviously, yeah. you only drink if you are over mm-hmm. twenty one years yes. old. No chasers. Yeah, no just chasers. one drink. It really is good. Don't it's not it, something guys. you're going to want a lot, but it is a really, really good drink. It's something if you want to have just on a good, I don't know, on a Sunday or something, you want to sit down and watch a game and have a good drink, absolutely awesome. So thank you so much for listening today. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to have another segment coming on on Friday. We hope to see you all there. Mm-hmm. Be sure to follow our Instagram. Um, and also on our Instagram, we put out some polls about if you guys would like a newsletter. So be sure to vote for that, comment. Shoot us a DM if you like what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. or slide into our DMs, doing. please. Thank you. Yeah, slide into our DMs. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Jordan. I'm Lewis. And this thank is you. Business Blues and Booze. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great night. Yeah, you too. Thank you.